Hey y'all, welcome to Beyond Consulting. I'm your host, Stephen. This is a podcast where we talk with guests who spent some time in consulting, but then moved on to do other interesting things with their life. We are sponsored by ECA Partners, a retained executive search firm that fills full-time positions as well as project staffing roles. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Anna Fridley. Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Good. Well, I'd love to start off and learn a little bit about what's on your plate these days. Do you mind talking us through your company and your role? Yeah, for sure. So I am a senior director of customer success at Flashpoint. We are a risk intelligence company. We provide intelligence and technology that empower our customers to work together internally across a variety of teams to detect and defend against a variety of security threats that can include physical security threats or cybersecurity threats. And in general, the intended outcome of our customers' use of Flashpoint is to decrease the organization's overall risk to threats. Interesting. So this is a, it's a SaaS product primarily, and then, yeah. Yeah. So the Flashpoint intelligence platform is a SaaS product, and we also have baked in with that certain types of services. And as an intelligence company, we also employ a wide variety of intelligence professionals who are writing reports, analyzing inbound data to be able to provide our customers with the information that they need to answer the business questions that they have. My role in customer success is actually directly informed by the work that I used to do as a consultant. And what I'm doing is helping the customers that are in my portfolio leverage the platform and the products and services that they have inside their contracts to the fullest extent that they can in order to mitigate the widest variety of risks that they can and also sort of shed light into spaces that are either difficult to understand what's going on or where additional resources inside of the Flashpoint suite of products and services can inform folks on either spaces where they may not have expertise or geopolitical regions where they might not have subject matter expertise. That's really exciting. And your role in particular, I think, is very interesting. Customer success positions in general, they came around, what, maybe just 20 years ago was whenever we first started seeing them, in my experience, at least. Is that your sense of the role as well in terms of its history? Yeah, it is. I've been in customer success for almost four years. So I'm also new to a new field. My department has quite a few customer success managers and also support engineers. So we are working with our customers to ensure that they have success inside of their organizations and also that our products and services are best supported for uh, ease of use and break fixes, that kind of stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that we're seeing more and more companies out there that provide SaaS products developing these roles if they haven't already had them. As you mentioned, you've only been in a customer success position for a few years now. Tell us a little bit more about the position itself or what you made you uh, go in that direction. Yeah, so it actually is almost a direct through line from the work that I was doing as a consultant. So I'll roll the tape back a little bit further than that even. And because my career path has been pretty much nonlinear, I left college and I went into a field called preservation librarianship. So I was working in libraries and archives 
archives doing book repair and document restoration to make sure that future researchers could access documents and have primary source material for their research. And from that, I wound up getting a job at Booz Allen Hamilton doing cybersecurity consulting in what is now their managed Intel services department. So when I was there, we had a bullpen of like 30 analysts and we had a stable of the customers that we were working for. And unlike traditional consulting where you show up at your work site and you work there for the duration of the project, we actually had sort of ongoing contracts more along an MSSP model for the customers that we were working for. And it just opened my mind to all of the ways that the idealized concept of how you are taught the best practices for things hit the road hard when you're actually dealing with someone's business in operation and the business needs associated with whether it's a financial services corporation or a retailer or a healthcare company or a manufacturer are sometimes very similar and sometimes very different. And as I learned how to do that job, I was learning also the questions to ask when you're on site with a consulting partner and to better understand all of the business reasons behind why somebody wants something in place. What are the assets they're looking to protect? What's the continuity of operations associated with what kind of business tolerance does somebody have for downtime, right? If a manufacturing floor is down for this many minutes, how much does it cost the company? If it stretches out to hours, how much does it cost the company? When I left Booz Allen, I went to a cybersecurity-only consulting firm called Fordless Solutions, and there I was doing cyber risk assessments. And what that was more of the traditional consulting operations. So we would come into a company, we would do the cyber risk assessment, we would present the results to them. And we would talk to stakeholders across the organization from the C-suite to payroll to the IT department. And the questions that you were asking of the different stakeholders would directly inform the results of the assessment, right? I had one awesome assessment. The It was for a construction company that had tremendous backups in place. They had redundancy in effect for a lot of their network systems. And they had tested their backups. They had offsite backups. They would be able to restore everything in 48 hours. And HR said, yeah, if we don't make payroll on Fridays, none of our carpenters are going to show up on Monday because they're going to get jobs down the street at our competitors. So the way that you have to compensate for things in the cybersecurity world to back up the systems that you need in order to have the continuity of operations in business is really important. Interesting. So when it comes to cybersecurity, it's not just safeguards you put in place. The different programs that you implement need to fit specific company operations. And that's exactly how it dovetails with consulting, right? Is that the business imperative is what's driving what you need to secure. Because if everything is important, nothing is important. So you have to be strategic around, okay, what is the actual purpose of this company? 
What are the systems that need to be in place constantly in order to support that primary purpose of this company, right? If you're looking in a bank, they need to be able to ensure that if anybody has money with them, that it is secure and available to folks if they need to withdraw or, but at least reliable, right? Like my money's in the bank, it's safe. Same with retailers. They need to be able to stock shelves, sell people things at the register, right? And so being able to understand like, where is your inventory and how do you keep track of it? That's all now cyber enabled. Okay. So every single part of every transaction, it sounds like what you're saying. Now, yeah, a lot of people used to keep paper records and even the legal profession has moved off of that. So the way that all of our uses of computers is now our primary way that we access any of our business assets, all of our work days, that kind of stuff is completely shifted the landscape to make cybersecurity necessary. That's really interesting. When did this transition happen? Would you say that now everything's like this legal firms have moved in this direction? It wasn't in the 80s. It wasn't in the early 90s, but definitely by like the dot-com bubble in the 2000s, in my opinion, the vast majority of, of businesses had switched to digital. Interesting. Is there still room to grow whenever it comes to cybersecurity improvements for most types of companies? Absolutely. That's the thing that I love the most about cybersecurity is the landscape is constantly shifting. So anybody who's leaving consulting and is worried like, oh, am I going to take a job at a company and like get bored because I'm used to switching things up? every like month or year or depending on you know the length of the projects that people have been consulting on cybersecurity doesn't work that way there's always something new on the horizon and the other thing that i love about coming out of consulting is i've worked with some tremendously smart people and they're now my colleagues my customers and my friends that i can rely on if i need to you know, I don't know anything about Web3, but I can call up somebody that's totally read up on it and say, let me get you a cup of coffee. I need you to explain to me Web3 and this whole new avenue of technology so that I can start figuring out how to secure my customers in that new space. That's a good point. So it's not only the consulting toolkit that helps you be successful later on, it's the network that you build there. 100%. I want to dive a bit more into the types of projects you worked on in consulting and then what you're doing right now, how those two relate. But before we get to there, I wanted to make sure that we did get to, to the beginning of your career, because as you mentioned, a very interesting career path that I think a lot of our audience would, would find exciting. Can we start at the beginning? Your undergrad was at Wesley, is that right? Yeah. So I did my bachelor's at Wellesley College in Massachusetts. I have an undergraduate degree in mathematics from there. And I went to the University of Texas at Austin for a master's in preservation and conservation librarianship and then pivoted over to cybersecurity by getting a master's in high technology crime investigation from GW University in Washington, D.C. It's funny that I think that there's actually a lot of similarity in those two professions. Let me know if I'm wrong here, but it seems to me you dedicated a lot of your life to preserving research materials. And now you do that for materials that you know, similar content, perhaps, or but they're just a, a different format. Yeah. And the libraries and archives are generally collecting material that is 
not in active circulation or is in active circulation, but then they're getting stored. So you asked about the digital transition to digital archives. And it definitely happened before 2008, because in my first master's, we did talk about digital preservation, archiving digital records, making sure that the metadata schema, so that's the like file formatting and the classification information describing the digital files was all preserved as well. So when I went to pivot over to cyber, I actually leveraged a lot of that set of classes from my first master's in moving into digital forensics and e-discovery. That's great. So got the second master's, and is it right after that that you moved into consulting? Almost. I did a stint at a help desk for uh, e-discovery solutions for a little while, and then I moved over to Booz Allen about six or eight months after I finished my second master's. What were your clients like at, at Booz Allen? What kind of industries were they were you serving? So the industries that my Booz Allen customers were in are similar to the industries that my Flashpoint customers are in. I was working a lot with financial services, retail, insurance, manufacturing. Now at Flashpoint, I also have technology companies that I work with because in addition to their mandate to secure their own networks and business functions, technology companies are often custodians of their customers' data. And so the mandate extends not just to their data, but also to the customer's data. It's similar to what I was talking about with banks, right? That banks need to secure their own physical and digital assets as well as that of their customers. Exciting. And how long were you at Booz Allen? I was at Booz Allen for three years and at Fortalis for one. Okay. Yeah. So about four years in consulting. What made you decide to move from Booz Allen to a different consulting firm? What drew me to Fortalis was the smaller size of the company. I joined Fortalis. There was like fewer than 50 employees at the time. And also Fortalis had a mandate to work on not only government contracts, but also small to medium sized businesses. And that really drew me to Fortalis as well to make sure that because the bigger companies tend to have bigger budgets and larger staff to be able to cover down on risks in ways that small to medium sized businesses are less equipped to do. And so that level of service for was really quite important to me. Good. And then moving from the consulting cybersecurity world into industry, what were some of the, the things that surprised you? So I still actually feel like I am doing quite a bit of consulting as a customer success manager. Moving into industry as a cybersecurity professional would be more as if I were individual contributor or manager at a company protecting the company from threats, is how I would interpret the word in industry. And what brought me to Flashpoint was cyber threat intelligence. I loved what I did at Booz Allen, and it was actually one of my Booz Allen colleagues who brought me into Flashpoint because she had left Booz Allen for Flashpoint, and I had been continuing to talk to her as part of my network. And when a role opened on her team, she called me up and she said, I need your resume. And so it just sort of all fell into place from there. Cool. That's a good story. I always like those stories where those consulting networks just continue to help you grow in your career. 
for consultants who are looking to like whole cloth pivot into cybersecurity, I want to make sure that I tell your listeners that I don't always recommend getting a university degree. It is the path that I took. There are a wide variety of other options to get into cybersecurity. There's uh, certification programs. There's free training, especially for military veterans. There's uh, the cloud hosting companies like Microsoft, Google, and Amazon run their own certification processes for their tool suites. And there's also a lot of open source learning that people can do self-paced nights, weekends, in between jobs, if somebody's on the bench waiting for their next consulting project to come up. And these things are available. Some of them have fees associated with them. Some of them don't. But also consulting companies often also have internal training resources available to staff. So these are like all avenues that are available and are not mutually exclusive that for anyone who is like, oh, university degree is outside of my capacity to do right now. That's fine. Cybersecurity is so understaffed from a like need perspective that anyone with creative independent drive can probably get a job in cybersecurity as long as they're willing to put in the work. And as an industry, we actually need everybody's creative perspectives, especially from like the cyber threat intelligence perspective. I've worked with lawyers and I've worked with folks who come in from an international relations background. I came in from a research and librarianship background. And all of these assets have enabled us as a team of current and former colleagues to really poke at these complex problems in a variety of ways and tease them apart and see additional spaces for investigation that otherwise, you know, smaller teams may not be able to accomplish. So yeah, come on in. There's yeah. plenty of space in cybersecurity for everybody. Good. Well, that's good to hear. So let's say I'm a consultant. Maybe I'm doing some go-to-market strategy projects for my clients, maybe some diligence projects, IT implementation projects, variety of different types of consulting work that we often hear. I might not have touched any cybersecurity projects. What are some of the things that I might be doing in my current project that let's say if I really like those certain things, maybe that means that I might like a career in cybersecurity? Yeah. So I'm going to go for the thing that's like tangential. So if you're looking at an IT implementation project, right, there's a lot of places in industry where there's room for improvement in a cybersecurity set of tools or policy rules. So that is really actually not that much different than an IT implementation strategy. So coming in from where I used to do risk assessments for Fortalis, we would often go to a customer and say, okay, well, you're currently doing this. And in order to mature your program, we would recommend that instead of having a vendor like us run a vulnerability assessment for you once a year, you could grow your program to bring a vulnerability scanner program in-house and run it monthly so that you can improve your cybersecurity posture for known vulnerabilities in that way. Well, what does that mean? It means they need to evaluate tools, 
bring them in-house, get them implemented, get them up and running, and create all of these new processes and procedures in order to get that technology in place and running and have the policies to deal with the output and that kind of stuff, which is effectively an IT implementation strategy. So that winds up happening at different parts of the organization in order to iteratively improve cybersecurity posture across the company. So there's a couple of different models that exist if people are interested. There's a Center for Internet Security list of controls. It's publicly available. I really like the model because it starts with some basic concepts around know what's on your network from a hardware and software perspective, know who has access to what on your network and why, and then building on that basis to complete additional modules along the way. And the way that they have people do assessments inside of the Center for Internet Security model is that at any point, you can pick one of the controls and improve it. And then if there's a whole module that's completely inaccessible or not applicable to your business, you don't have to evaluate yourself against it. They have a whole model about developing secure code. If you don't have any in-house developers, that module doesn't apply to your company. So it's a model built on a concept of iterative improvement because as the cybersecurity landscape shifts, there's always going to be more avenues for iterative improvement. Interesting. And I might be wrong about this, but I'm assuming that different industries or different companies have certain cybersecurity bars that they need to meet. So thinking a healthcare company might have to keep their data more secure than perhaps a, just a, a retail clothing type of company. Is that the case? So there's different regulatory requirements for different types of data. That's true. There are best practices that apply to all types of organizations as well. So there's certain types of data that are protected health data. There's certain types of data that are financial transaction data that are regulated by uh, PCI DSS. So it's actually interesting that you mentioned retailers. Retailers are beholden to PCI DSS because they process transactions and banks are as well. So there's uh, rules about how to store and transit credit card numbers that are inside of that regulatory block of rules. And it means some interesting things for customers of mine that are in retail and banking, because a lot of times the intelligence teams that I'm talking to are not actually able to access the credit card data because of PCI DSS. And we have data that they can use to inform their fraud team if there's fraudulent credit card numbers trans being transacted, but they don't have access to the card numbers. So there's sort of interesting competing priorities associated with regulation. And healthcare entities have, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest, hardest most incredibly awesome cybersecurity jobs that there are. Because one of the things we talk about in cybersecurity is the triad. So we have confidentiality, 
integrity and availability. We want all of our data to be confidential. So only the people who are supposed to have access to it have access to it. The data has to have integrity, meaning if we save it where we say we're saving it and it has to be exactly reliable as we want it to be when we want to get to it and availability. That means that whenever I want to get to it, I can have access to it. In the banking example that I was talking about before, that means that only I have access to my bank account. My bank account balance is going to be right when I go to look at it. And my money's there for me to withdraw or deposit at any time I feel like it. In healthcare, it's even more important because, okay, if somebody makes a mistake on a bank balance, you can usually like fix it. In healthcare, if you have information that's wrong or that's inaccessible, there's an actual person's health at stake and delay in care or inaccurate doses of medication or confidentiality breaches turn out to be bad healthcare outcomes for actual people. So it's a much more complex situation. And the uptime for healthcare machinery is almost 24-7. So we talk a lot about vulnerabilities and patch management in cybersecurity. And if a hospital system has purchased an MRI machine or a CAT scan or any of the other sort of big imaging equipment, those are so phenomenally expensive that they do tend to run them 24-7, right? That means that taking those offline to update software is actually business lost for the hospital and can also interfere with healthcare outcomes for somebody who might need a scan at any minute. The other thing that impacts healthcare, especially with the big imaging equipment, is when wealthier hospital systems buy a new scanner, they'll sell their old scanner that's a little slower or the files that that it prints are a little bigger or maybe not as precision pixelated. They'll sell it on the used equipment market to a hospital system that maybe can't afford a brand new one, but is still looking to buy a working MRI machine. And so the will often wind up with what we call tech debt, where older equipment that ha- is no longer supported by the original manufacturer is still in use in companies and businesses or hospitals because that's what they're using to generate the outcomes that they're looking for. And so I love all the complexity, but it does get it does get really interesting really fast. Yeah, so the problem there with those MRI machines, if they're no longer supported by the manufacturer, the fact that they aren't being updated and then they might be more vulnerable to some sort of cyber attack or something like that. Yeah, Okay. that's exactly it. So in, it was Mother's Day weekend of, I think, 2016, there was a worldwide outbreak of a ransomware variant called WannaCry. And... Healthcare entities were particularly susceptible to it because the ransomware was using a communication pathway that was very common for MRI machines. And it was my like first weekend consulting for a healthcare entity at Booz Allen. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is where my weekend is going. 
like drinking my coffee at 9 a.m. watching the entire British Health Service go down. And I was like, we have a problem. So if it were easy, if it were simple, we wouldn't have jobs to help people with it. And the same thing that happens in consulting, people come to cybersecurity because they need help with it. And it is a huge field with all kinds of different niches in it. I'm particularly in love with cyber threat intelligence. There's people who really love network security. There's people who really love cloud security. There's people who really love hardware security. And all of these different avenues are wide open for talent. That's good. And I see what you mean about how your flashpoint and your current role is very similar to the, the consulting projects you worked on. Can you tell us a little bit about how your customer success role in a cybersecurity company is different than working for a consulting firm? I make fewer decks. <laughs> no. So I didn't have a traditional consulting experience. I didn't travel to customer site and do projects. So I was doing cybersecurity threat intelligence as a consultant. So it's a little hard for me to answer that question. I think a way that I might be able to put that question better is why isn't Flashpoint a consulting firm? We're not telling people what to do. Mm. So what Flashpoint does as an intelligence vendor is we have quite a lot of things that we do, especially across all of the different Flashpoint companies and all of the different products and services that we offer. But at heart, what we're doing is we have two sort of major things that we do. We have Intel analysts who are going out into threat actor spaces, whether that is impersonating violent extremists or impersonating hackers online and gathering information that we then make searchable in the Flashpoint platform for our customers to be able to access. So that sometimes includes deep and dark web forums, inaccessible chat platforms. And what we're doing is allowing our customers to have direct primary access to source material that they either wouldn't be able to access or that would expose their organization to risk to access. And then we're also providing an additional layer of intelligence interpretation as our analysts are writing finished intelligence reports that are drawing from their subject matter expertise and the primary source material available in the platform. Like, for example, when you open a browser window and you go to a website, your browser is telling the web server, hey, I would like you to give me that website. I'm at this IP address. I'm running this operating system. My preferred language is this. And I'm in this time zone. And oh, by the way, here's all of my tracking cookies that are associated with the user that's using this browser. And so when... Flashpoint is doing the work that we're doing to collect data on behalf of our platform, we're creating a clean break between our customers who are accessing our legitimate software as a service platform and giving our customers a complete buffer between the information that they're able to access through us and the threat actor communities that we are involved in. So we're also providing that layer of additional risk protection 
while also giving them access to the primary source material that they need to counter fraud or threats to their executives or physical locations. This is interesting. I can see the importance of the work that y'all are doing at Flashpoint. For some companies, as you know, larger companies, they're required to have a a CPA come in and and look through their financials. Is that the case at all in the cybersecurity world? Are there any types of regulations that say, hey, you have to have your system checked by a, a cybersecurity professional? So we talked a little bit about HIPAA and PCI DSS. So for companies that are beholden to PCI DSS, there are certain cybersecurity requirements associated with that as well. And depending on a company's cybersecurity insurance underwriters, they might also have insurance requirements for cybersecurity companies to come in and do uh, certain types of checks. One of the types of cybersecurity checks that people do is called a pen test. It is something that we are required to do by a lot of our customers. Our customers do submit compliance requests to us for, you know, are you secure in all of these ways? And we have to answer truthfully to our customers. And penetration testing is absolutely a requirement in a lot of spaces, that usually involves a cybersecurity hacker who is under contract by the company to scan and attempt to infiltrate the network. And then the report that comes back details what could potentially be a risk to the company, why, and often avenues to fix that as well. Good. Well, this is a really exciting world, and I appreciate you letting us uh, walk through it with you, Anna. Is there any other advice you'd give consultants that are thinking about a potential career in cybersecurity? Let your natural curiosity lead you. All past experience is relevant and valid. There's literally nothing that you've done that isn't potentially applicable just on the computer side of the fence. Good. Well, it sounds like a really exciting career as well and lots lots of room to try different things there. And it's been a pleasure talking with you here. Thanks again so much for joining us here on Beyond Consulting. Thank you, Stephen, for inviting me on. 